Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. What I wanted to talk today um, about today, I'm basically I want to talk about supernatural healing, and um, I want to relate it uh, to uh, what we all might consider maybe to be the uh, other side of that coin, which would be natural healing or um, or modern medicine, and. Um, I have a couple observations I want to share. Uh, I want to go into a bit of my own experience uh, as well. Um, so hopefully that will kind of show you where I'm coming from and, and um, where I am in the journey. And then um, there's three key elements that the Lord has been showing me as I um, attempt to unpack this and, and sort of learn about this. Um, so the the observation that I had uh, is actually something I shared on social media a few months back. Um, and it's something that at the time was stirring in me. It was really uh, pressing on me uh, in regards to uh, mental health and mental illness. And um, I'm going to read that little thought here, too. But um, I just want to say that I believe it has a much wider application than, than just our mental health. And I think that it's um, maybe something that we can uh, apply to a much broader application. But the thought was this, is why do some believers perceive mental health to be an illness or an injury, I would say, that God only heals through supernatural means? If you suffered a severe compound fracture, would you pray only? Or would you pray for peace as you rush to receive medical attention. Squeeze the Father's hand as your bone is set and you walk with Jesus through months of physical therapy. Why should mental health look any different? The mind can be injured too, and there's no shame in seeking the help of a professional to guide you through that time. I'm currently on a journey to seek the Father's healing with an open hand in all areas of my life. Let's allow him to use people, technology, medication, and of course, his Holy Spirit, according to his divine purposes in the restoration of our bodies, soul, and mind. So again, like I said, this is the, the context of that was, um, was mental illness and um, mental injury, I guess, if you could call it that. And just to say, uh, what I'm bringing you today, I really do want to um, just submit to you uh, this isn't something that I you know, feel that I could put bookends on. It's something that I'm still exploring and something that I'm learning. Um, and also, a lot of the um, experiences that I'm going to share with you today uh, are things that I've actually been on either side of, right? So um, this isn't from a perspective of I'm over here and I see it the right way. Um, it's actually I've been on either side of these um, you know, sort of uh, sides of the coin, if you will. So um, I just want to pray real quick to open, um, and then I'll, I'll start to share a little more. So, Father, I just I thank you for the opportunity uh, to share today. I ask that, um, that your message, Father, that your word would be heard. And, Father, I just ask that um, the family here would have something to gain uh, from what I share, and that... Uh, that ultimately, Father, that we would see your healing hand um, in all areas of our life. 
So that um, that perception, right, that there's the that the supernatural route of healing is is maybe the only one or the is the preferred one. Um, again, just to say that that was actually me several years ago. Um, so that was a uh, maybe an un, unspoken um, perception that I had um, as I walked through my own um, time of mental illness and and healing through that. And really, uh, I think the you know one of the pitfalls in that, and I can the analogy I keep coming back to is right is the road, and we have that ditch on either side of the road, and. Um, this this perception of of spiritual healing is the is the preferred or the better version of that. Oftentimes, what that can do is it can isolate us to think that um, my healing journey is just between me and the Lord. And what that often does will isolate you from from others that want to be there with you and want to walk through that with you. And again, you know, don't don't overly like these are broad strokes, so don't like hear this as you know, something toward you, but just be thinking about that, that application. So, um, yeah, so it can lead to isolation. And I, I'm, I'm starting to see that healing is going to be more of a partnership than it is uh, just a you and God thing. And honestly, I think both avenues of healing, you're going to see that. You're going to see that um, of course, in modern medicine and natural healing, you're going to see that through doctors, the hands of doctors and nurses and people that are helping you and take care of you. Um, but you're also going to see that on what I would even call the supernatural side, right? You're going to see people praying for you. You're going to see people laying on of hands, being there to walk through um, these things with you. And I think both are important. So just as, as you're approaching your healing jury, don't let it uh, be something that isolates you from others. I think it's a call to partnership, not just with God, but with each other, right? So um, going into, so those are just kind of my, you know, my starting observations. And um, please, I open invitation to all of you as I go, if something pops into your mind that you want to share, um, I'd rather not it just be me sharing the whole time. I'd love to hear your experiences, what the Lord is showing you, um, you know, and even where you, where you are in your walk with this, right? But So my experience, this was um, uh, really starting in 2022. Um, so I had a, um, a lot of you probably know, um, August 9th of this year, I had back surgery. And I had a, um, a back fusion, actually. So I had a, um, an anterior uh, spinal fusion of the L5-S1. For reference, that's the lowest of lumbar, um, the highest of the sacrum series in your vertebrae. And so they ended up actually going through the front of my body, removing the disc, putting um, metal you know, hardware where the disc would be, and then fusing those two bones together to now to the point where they're growing together as one bone. <laughs> and um, like obviously, you know, I, I want to say from the offset that that was... Uh, not a procedure I walked into lightly, right? And, um, you know, in partnership with my family, my friends, a lot of counsel with the Lord, and of course doctors, um, you know, that was the, the path we decided to go down. And, um, you know, it's an old injury. I've had it for years, but since I've had Liam, 
holding him all the time, picking him up all the time, picking up his toys, doing all these things that really started to, um, to make the problem worse. So um, as I started to go um, through this journey, I call it my, my healing journey, and I'm, I'm still in that, I'm, you know, three months now after the surgery. And um, again, just this, you know, just take this as uh, something I'm submitting to you. It's not about, um, it's about my experience and what I'm learning through it more so than, um, than the people. But I started to feel a bit of resistance uh, from people with, uh, with the decisions that I made. So I started to um, kind of get this impression that uh, people believed that I should receive supernatural healing that um, the idea of going into surgery um, you know, was not as, as preferred or as favorable. And um, you know, just to be very honest, I really started to get defensive um, about my choices and uh, the decisions I made. And I, please you know, understand, I can, I can definitely appreciate that a lot of that may have been my own perception you know, my own inherent biases and, you know, that, that defensive posture. Um, but what I really started to feel is that uh, you know, there were those that believed that that would be the only method that would be true healing uh, for me and that this medical option was a lesser, lesser option. So it started to, uh, that's what started me on this uh, you know, in this message, and I started to really write down my thoughts and start to really press into the Lord in that time. Because rather than um, letting it be something that I would just stand my ground and close off my mind and, you know, close off my heart to the options, I really had to, um, like I said in that post, I had to really take an open-hand approach um, to my healing and say, Father, I'm open uh, to you and your healing in whatever method you choose. And, um, you know, just to, to be transparent, um, you know, I really had to um, do a lot of searching in that time because um, this injury had been, you know, years in the making. Um, there had been ups and downs, uh, but always sort of gradually getting worse. And, um, yeah, I really, the, the Lord had to really impress upon me that there was a time where I had given up on the idea of any healing. Um, and there was a time I had given up on the idea of him healing me through this, you know, what I would call supernatural means. And um, so he really convicted me with that. And I really had to, again, come back to him and say, Father, I'm ready to be healed. And I, like, I'm choosing to be healed. It was a, it's like, it's an active decision that you can't just kind of sit and wait is I, my choice was I'm moving toward healing in whatever, whatever way he chooses the way I'm going. So that, um, so that, that's, that started my experience and that's, that's what I, uh, went through. So as I started moving toward, uh, the state of surgery, I, I had to keep coming back to the Lord, um, almost daily in this, um, dichotomy I was experiencing and saying, you know, Father, if I wake up tomorrow and I reach back there in my back and I can feel it now it's aligned or my pain is gone or all, I like, I kept checking. I'm like, is, am I healed today? No. Nope. Okay. I'm going to keep, I'm, 
I'm going towards surgery. And every day I kept doing that. I kept waiting on the Lord and saying, is, is this the method? Is this the way it's going to happen? To the point where in the hospital I was doing it, you know, while I'm sitting in the waiting room. Like, okay, is it, am I still? Yep, okay. So we're, we're, we're going to keep going here. And I, like, <laughs> this might not sound, um, you know, as impactful as it was to me, but I had to come to the point where, man, if I'm healed on the, on the operating table before they wheel me in and put me under, I'm going to get out of there. And I'm going to have to tell everyone, hey, this is what happened. And I, like, and I kept checking, I kept checking. But I also had to say, Father, if I go through this surgery and I come out on the other side, then I'm going to praise you just the same. And that's going to be, you know, your healing is going to touch me through the hands of the surgeons as much as it would through any other means. And that's, and that's where I am today. And I can really say um, that it was, it was a wonderful experience for me. And, I'm, you know, again, don't take this as there's a right way or a wrong way, but really hear this as this, this open-handed approach, right? Um, and so I can, I can just really say on being on the other side of that today that I'm really happy with the choices I made. Um, and I think the Lord really used this in, as an opportunity for me to grow and to kind of see him in a new light in a few different areas. So I want to go through a few things that he showed me. And I have it um, sort of separated out into three elements. Um, the first is I'm calling seek and you will find. The second is don't worship the process. And three is come back to the source of all healing. So, um, so for the first part, seek and you will find. Mary, if you could get our first passage up there. So you probably know what I'm, what I'm thinking about when I say that, right? Um, so Matthew 7, verses uh, 7 through 12. So uh, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and uh, he's talking about, um, you know, seek and you will find. There's a, there's a few passages or um, points I want to make in this. So starting in verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So just pause right there. I think that one of the, the immediate things, and I, I kind of touched on this earlier as I walked through my own um, journey, is that when you're in pain uh, for so long and when you're receiving you know, kind of chronic pain or a chronic illness, there's, um, I think there's a, an opportunity there to kind of give up on healing entirely um, through through any means, right? As we can kind of get um, we can get kind of slowed down, and we can really give up on the idea that that we'll receive any you know means of healing. And the piece that I saw here that really caught my eye is that it's showing that healing is not uh, just like a passive process, right? I believe that healing is really something that we are meant to be proactive with. Um, like I said earlier, it's a partnership. Right, we're partnering with other people. We're partnering the Lord with the Lord, but it it means you have to be active. You have to be pursuing it. Um, and I, you know, I think you've probably all heard stories of um, individuals that are going through, 
you know, severe uh, issues in the hospital or, or, or what have you, as soon as the like activity starts to leave, as soon as they start to lose, you know, the ability to move or to communicate, um, they start to isolate or not have that. It's it's always like kind of a downhill process. So, I feel like there's this there's this call in this, right? So, reading again here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. That is a that is a proactive thing. It is seeking out what you're calling for. It's seeking out your that in, in this context, I'm applying it to healing, right? Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Um so uh going on, we'll jump down to verse nine. Uh or what person among you who when his son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he not give him a snake? Will he? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So verse 12, In everything, therefore, treat people in the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law and the prophets. Um, Several times in the Bible, Jesus says uh, that little tagline there, um, the whole law and the prophets. And that's always just, uh, you know, as a, uh, a Hebrew in that time, if you're saying that, that is like the equivalent of a, a Bigfoot stomp, right? And everything, therefore, treat people in the same way you would want them to treat you, for this is the whole law and the prophets. I mean, to a, to a Jew, to a Hebrew at that time, that is huge, right? That's, that's full stop. And... I think what he's saying too, and, and just before that about the loaf of bread and giving him a stone is, I think that we need to understand that um, it's his desire for us to receive good things, right? Yeah, and I think that sometimes, um, and I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in the um, element of don't worship the process, but we can get very um, we can get very bogged down in the, the methodologies by which that we're expecting this gift to come. And what I mean by that is, and I, I've seen this um, in, in many areas of my own life, but I've also seen it in um, a lot of friends and you know, fellow believers, that if we believe in the promises of God, we're seeing an end result in the future. But what we tend to do is we're also now going to convince ourselves of the path that it will take to get there, right? So we're not only saying, you know, Father, uh, bring me to a point of healing, right, in this context, but we're also going to say, through this method that, that I choose, through the path that I have, I have seen or the one that I've decided, right? And it's kind of a way that we, um, you know, it's maybe a bit of a, like a, a prideful example, but it's like we kind of, we box him in in saying that. And we can kind of build up those expectations to say, this is, this, is the, this is the way in which I'm expecting to receive my gift. And it really, I've seen a lot of people really get hurt by that. And it's not necessarily in, in my belief that the end result won't be any different, but they were waiting to see it from their angle, from their chosen um, you know, methodology. So um, seek and you will find, right? That's the, the element here. I think that um, it's, it's crazy to me. Have, have you guys known people that they're just like sold out on miracles? People that are absolutely 
looking for miracles under every stone around every corner. Does anyone know? Who actually, who's in, who is in here? Is, who is sold out on miracles? Who's looking for miracles every day? I'm, I'm serious. I know we have some in here. I think, yes, I think that those are the people that see the most miracles because they're looking for them. It's that seek and you will find. And so I think that sometimes, again, I'm thinking two sides of the road here. We have our natural, we have our supernatural healing, spiritual and secular, whatever you want to call them. Sometimes if we're over too far on this side of the road, we can forget to even be looking for the supernatural happening all around us. And I believe those people that are looking for miracles see them because they have the eye for it and they're, they're actively hunting for it. And I think that's, that's a really good reminder for us that might be leaning over here on this side and, you know, seeing that maybe medicine is the answer for everything or there has to be an explanation for everything. We have to maybe understand everything over here on this side is we might be missing a piece that's over here on that miracle side. And I, you know, I can say that I, um, you know, like in the church I grew up in, um, we were, uh, you know, we would very, be, you know, we would definitely pray for people. We would definitely believed um, in the power of prayer, uh, but we were definitely much more, you know, on this side, on the kind of very reserved, conservative, you know, we will pray for someone. There wasn't a lot of laying on hands and being real prophetic and, and those sorts of things. And oftentimes I could just, you know, and this was maybe more my experience than anyone's, but I can, I can sometimes be very dismissive of that unseen element. And what we're, what we're doing in that, and I think we're doing unintentionally, and you know, this is, I'm applying it to healing, but I think this could apply to all areas of our life, is that if we're, if we're closing that door to God, right, to, to his opportunity for this method, we're missing out. Or honestly, I'm starting to see and believe that the place that you might be stuck might be because you've been on one side for a little too long. And the healing, the breakthrough, the revelation, what you might be looking for, might be moving a little bit closer to the middle or a little bit closer to that other side. So kind of keep that in mind. That's seek and you will find. Um, I have another passage here. Uh, Mary, could you go to Matthew 8? So this is just another chapter later. Jesus is... Um, yeah, so this is the, the story of the, the centurion. So I did a lot of reading, obviously, to dig into um, Jesus' healing, some of the, what the disciples were doing, um, to try and pull out some, some, some interesting uh, bits for you here. So um, Matthew 8, verse 5. And when Jesus entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him, begging him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, terribly tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my Lord, I am not my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. This is the part that um, sticks out to me. He says, verse 9, for I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go and he goes and to another come and he comes to my slave, do this and he does it. So pausing right there. I think that I, what I, and I mean, Jesus right after, um, just maybe, maybe I'll just touch on this. So he says, truly I say to you, I've not found such great faith in anyone in Israel. Um, just after that in verse 10. 
I think what's really interesting uh, in verse 9 is that the centurion is talking about a physical reality for himself as a centurion. He knows that he is operating as, you know, under this authority, right, Roman rule um, over the Jews in Israel at that time. He is talking about a physical reality that he has witnessed where he has authority over soldiers in the field. A centurion was a pretty high up, you know, uh, military official for the Romans. But what, like, Jesus gets really excited about this, and what I'm seeing in it too is he's actually talking also, it relates to a spiritual reality that Jesus was operating in. And I hope I can articulate this right, but what I, what I see in that is if you think about the soldiers, right? So he says, for I'm a man under the authority with soldiers under me. To say to this one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, he comes, and my slave do this, and he does it. I think that what he's seen is Jesus has that same authority over his creation, right? But he's, he has that authority over, and, uh, you know, the centurion wouldn't have words for this, but the, he has authority over the smallest, you know, molecule and cell in our body. And he has the authority over, just as the, this Roman had control over his soldiers. And that's where, you know, in this way, Jesus was just able to speak healing to this, um, to his servant who was somewhere else. But he was, he was picking out that the, this Roman soldier recognized the authority that was coming through him, you know, both spiritual and natural in all areas. And this is another point that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to convey here is that I think that when we, when we talk about the, the medical community and, and modern medicine, it's not something that we're doing above and outside of Jesus's healing or of Jesus's authority for healing. It's actually us partnering and understanding how his creation operates, how the cells and molecules and the parts of our body are put together. And we're actually in partnership with him. And I don't think people even know this or need to know this, but we're partnering with him in healing bodies. And it's you know, it's explained, it's scientific, we're exploring, we're learning all the time, but it's not separate and outside. It's actually, sometimes we're accelerating the body's natural healing process. Something that Jesus put in our DNA, we've learned to explore and take and work together with and improve and encourage and support it, just like the, the, the idea of the broken bone, right? We're, we're, we're just helping the body along. We're putting it in a splint. We're putting bandages on it. We're helping it stay where it needs to be. And, um, I think that, that really the term like supernatural healing, I'm really, I'm, I'm trying to remove that phrase from my vocabulary, to be honest, because I see it as all healing. I don't think that there is a, a supernatural and a natural. I think it's all Him, right? It's all this one source. I talked to, uh, to Gary last week about this because I've, I've offered it to several people to kind of share their thoughts with me as I started to put together this message. And Gary, what you were telling me, it was pretty amazing. That, and it's something we all know, but he said, as, as soon as you cut yourself, you know, as soon as the blood starts to run, your body is immediately healing itself. It, and, it's, and it might be slow. You might not see that, Right? And it's, but it's immediately starting to do that. It's starting to, the blood is coagulating, the cells are starting to pull back together. I, 
probably can't explain it, um, you know, perfectly. But it's happening. And it's happening immediately, just not evidently in our time where we can see it. So just keep that in mind. Like, I think that all of that healing is something that's authored and a structure, ultimately, that was built into our creation. So we're, we're tapping into it either, either way, by the laying on of hands or by the application of, of um, you know, modern medicine. Any, any thoughts so far? I'll keep going, but any, anything stirring in you guys? So my next section here is um, don't worship the process. And um, one of the things that I, I picked up in this is, and this is, again, I think, you know, really on either side of this, uh, on this road, we can really get caught in a process um, and worshiping the process. And what I mean by that is, Oftentimes, uh, we will expect to see healing in the way that we saw healing the last time. And we might unintentionally um, kind of put our blinders on to say, uh, well, this is how God healed Daniel, so this is how I'm expecting him to heal me. And, oh, this is how I was healed from this last time, so that's where, this is the, this is the route I'm going to go. And, like, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's, like, it's human nature for us to, like, get into routine, like, understanding patterns, and, like, that's where we, we start to see it. But um, I started to think about the ways Jesus healed people, right? And I think about, I started to think about all the stories um, in the Gospels of, in, in the different manners in which he healed people. What are some of the ways um, that Jesus healed that just that are top of mind to you guys? Spitting, mixing with mud. Yep. <laughs> Spitting on the ground, making mud and putting it on a blind person's eyes. It's pretty wild. I, if you guys have ever asked for healing and you hear somebody start to get ready to spit, you really, you really want your healing. Any, what, what else? What other... <laughs> Because say just eyes alone, he did multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just laid his hands on them. Laying on of hands. He did spit. Sometimes he mixed it with mud. And yeah. So it wasn't just one process for which he did. What, what did we just see with the centurion, right? He spoke, not even to, a, to someone who was injured or paralyzed, or, but to his friend, to his, um, you know, to his loved one. And those are kind of some of the things we see as we see um, Jesus would just speak healing. I, I, I wrote down a few different ones if you guys are ever interested in looking into them. So we just talked about the centurion. It was actually, he was speaking to the centurion and it healed his, his servant somewhere else. So it was Jesus healing through a loved one's compassion through his voice, right? So I think, again, just going back to the partnership thing, we might not be the ones that need this healing, Right? Sometimes we might be going to the Father because of the healing that someone else needs. And I think that's a very practical application that he was showing us there. In John 5, um, that was Matthew 8, right? So in John 5, he tells um, the lame man to pick up your pallet and walk. So just he speaks to him. Again, there's that element of now he has a responsibility in his healing too. He said, pick up your pallet and walk. So it was he had to walk out his healing. John 9, like you said, Daniel, Jesus heals with mud and saliva. 
probably the last one that we would have ever expected. Luke 4, uh, Jesus rebukes a fever uh, verbally. Then he goes and he lays hands on the multitudes of people. It's like, yeah, just all healing through just touching and then speaking. Um, then when we start to get into Acts, we still see some even crazier things. Jesus starts to heal people through Peter's shadow is being cast on people as he walks by because there's too many for him to go um, and touch individually. That's Acts 5. Acts 9, Jesus speaks healing to a paralyzed... Uh, Peter speaks Jesus' healing to a paralyzed man and talks um, uh, with his voice. And then he also goes and raises a girl from the dead, which is something that Jesus did um, almost in that exact pattern as well. So what, what I'm calling out in this, and I obviously don't have time to go into all those... <laughs> I have one here I want to unpack with you, but the the point that I want to make in that is that I think that Jesus, intentionally so, was never uh, going into a regular habitual pattern of healing because what I believe would have happened and some a trap that we still fall into is we would have begun to worship that process. We would have begun to ri- worship that ritual, right? If If Jesus always healed someone by saying, okay, you spit in the mud, you make it into this thing, you put it on the, and then you say this thing three times. Like, if that would have been the pattern that we saw every time, we would have eventually started to take him out of the equation. We would have eventually started to see that as, well, this is the method, this is the methodology, it's, it's all written right here, here's our pattern. And we would have taken that, and we would begin to worship that as the process and said, well, now that we have this, we don't really need him. And I think what he's doing in that, and the reason he went through so many different variations on it, it was to understand that the healing comes through him, right? It's not about the process. So that's why I call this don't worship the process. So um, I want to read one of these uh, fully here in um, Matthew 9. So we're, we're just going through Matthew um, 7, 8, 9. So Matthew 9, uh, verse 18. While he was saying to these things, Uh, To them, behold, a synagogue official came and bowed before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come lay your hand on her, and she will be alive again. Jesus got up from the table and began to accompany him along with his disciples. So stop. Right there, he's already doing something different than he did with the centurion. Right? Uh, With the centurion, he just healed, healed his servant without going anywhere. But for this, whatever reason, with the synagogue official, he's like, okay, let's go. And he's going to go that way. And you'll see why here later. But um, so uh, verse, verse 20. This is while he's on the way to go heal uh, this, this man's daughter. Verse 20. Behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him and touched the border of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, <coughs> excuse me, if only I touch his cloak, or if I only touch his cloak, I will get well. This is like we're kind of being led into her inner dialogue, right? If I only touch his cloak, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. So just, uh, just pause there too. So, uh, this is, this is, uh, there's a story about this in Luke as well. So there's several different, um, you know, accountings of this story. You know, and I think the one in Luke, he's like, he feels the power leaving him and he's looking around. But there's like crowds around him and he can't figure out like who touched him because there's so many people like just touching him. It, it, it appears, right? And 
I, I like, again, we're going back to like, is it the process, is it the methodology that is actually doing the healing? And sometimes we can get caught up in that. And we see that in this woman. She says, if I only touch his cloak, I will get well. So she is so desperately just trying to go and touch his cloak because she believes that will be the source of her healing. And he turns around and he tells her, daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And again, so he's on his way to go heal somebody in a way that he didn't heal them before. You know, two passages earlier, he's healing just you remotely from miles away. Now he's going to go, he's going to lay hands. And then somebody touches his cloak and he says, your faith made you well. And I think that what he's, again, he's trying to say, he's trying to disconnect it from, here's the way it happens. This is the way you're coming to expect it. This is the pattern in which I heal people. And again, it, it brings me back to this idea of like, we have to keep our hands open to this, to this method of healing. And here he's even saying, hey, don't let it, you know, don't get fixated on the thing. It's actually your faith bringing you healing. Um, so verse 23, he arrives, uh, Jesus came to the official's house, saw the flute players and the crowds annoyed as he had disorder. He said, leave, for this girl has not died, but is asleep. They began to laugh at him. And then the crowd had been sent out. He entered and took her by the hand, and the girl got up. I also think it, um, I only added that, or left the, the little bit there at the end, because I think it's interesting <clears throat> that in those last couple passages, that he, when, when there's all those people that are kind of like there laughing at him, he just kind of, he waits for them to leave before he raises this girl from the dead. Like it was almost like, um, like it wasn't for them. It's like this, this was like to be for her and for her family and for the, the, the people around them. I think that's really interesting. So I, I just thought I'd leave it in there. I'm not exactly sure what to unpack with that, but, um, okay. Last section. So, uh, that was what we had is, um, don't worship the process. Seek and you will find. The last one is, um, come back to the source of all healing. Right. So, again, if we start to see those two different, <clears throat> see these two different paths, these two different methodologies as two different sources of healing, then we can go back and forth from one to the other, looking for one to be our ultimate reconciliation, when ultimately it's all coming from Him. And this was, um, you know, th- this was actually the first uh, passage that came to my mind when I started to explore this. Um, with the Father, and it's um, in Acts 17. So uh, if you guys know, this is actually um, Paul's sermon uh, on Mars Hill. He's speaking to uh, the Greeks. He's speaking to, um, yeah, I guess you'd consider them Gentiles, right? <clears throat> and he's telling them something that's pretty, um, that's, you know, a pretty big revelation, I'd say, for them for that time, and, and ultimately for us. So Acts 17, 22. So Paul stood in the midst of Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands, 
as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he has made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might feel around for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. Even as even some of your own poets have said, for we are all also his, for we also are his descendants. <clears throat> so just pause right there. Verse 28 to me is the, the first thing that came to my mind when I started to go down this healing journey, right? And this is something, again, it's, it's a pretty big revelation that Paul is actually sharing with them. In him we live and move and exist. And he's actually telling them there that um, there is nothing that we can do. This is, you know, my kind of <clears throat> takeaway. There's nothing we can do outside of him. And that's why I came back to the, I want us to start erasing the line that we see between these two um, paths to healing because it's all one path. There is not a, a road to healing that does not involve him, period, full stop. Right, And that's what he's saying here. For in him we live and move and exist. Back up here in verse 25, it says, He himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. That's pretty, um, that's pretty equivocal, right? So uh, where did we pick up here? Verse 30. So having overlooked at times the ignorance <clears throat> at the times of ignorance, excuse me. God is now proclaiming to mankind that all people everywhere are to repent. Because he has set on a day which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man he has appointed, who is that? By having furnished proof to all people by the raising of him from the dead. That probably sums it up, right? So, <clears throat> I texted Mark uh, this morning, too, because he, he said he had a few sh- uh, thoughts to share. And I feel like this is where um, it, really, it really fits in with what I'm going after here. And uh, one of the things he told me is, medicine is not second-class healing, right? And... Again, if we see it as if we see it as a lesser form, and if we see it as one or the other, and not the same source, we will, we're ultimately going to rank them that way, right? <clears throat> it's just as miraculous as the laying on of hands. Oh, this is good. Tell any ancient one what we can do today with medicine and treatments, and they would be astounded. That's kind of the thing that I started to think about as well. Is if you went back and you told somebody in Jesus' time, I mean, the, the procedure that I had done would probably just boggle their mind to, to begin with. But even what we're able to, to do today with what would be a passing thought, what we have with, you know, vitamins and pain medicine, like the ability to remove someone's pain, like that would have only been 
something that Jesus could have done back then. You know, there was not an option outside of that. So it's like, again, if you see them as two separate things, you're going to see them as one is greater, one is lesser. You know, one works in certain situations, but not in others. And that's kind of the way I started to unpack that the bit about mental health is sometimes as Christians, we can kind of see, again, based on our experience, we saw, hey, this is the way somebody was healed from this, and this is the way someone was healed from that. So those are, you know, this God heals supernaturally from mental illness, but other ways for others. So again, to kind of coming back to this open hand approach. Um, Mark also said, uh, guilt around getting medical treatment is best based in separation thinking. Secular versus spiritual. And it's not how it actually is. It's all spirit. It's all his. And <clears throat> that's one of the pieces that I had too. Is I, I, I believe that that healing is actually just a manifestation of his love in any form. Um, I also believe that um, the medical community, the scientific community, they're actually not able to do any healing outside of his authority. That's kind of what I was seeing in what the, in, in what the centurion was saying. That authority, right, they're, kind of, they're tapping into an understanding, a, a building block, a structure that Jesus has, has defined, who our creator defined. And maybe even oftentimes without them knowing, they're actually taking part in that. And they're, they're, they're using that authority given to him. I mean, back in the Old Testament, it even says God was using uh, Nebuchadnezzar as his servant at times when he deemed appropriate, right? So I, I honestly believe if you start to see them as different, you're going to go down a path that will ultimately limit you and, and maybe even those around you. Like, I, like we pray for somebody to be healed and they're not healed. Mm-hmm. And God, and they die, see, and God takes them to heaven, see. I believe, like, God healed my mom. Yeah. By taking her um, Yeah. How many people in this room are alive because of her medical? Yeah. Like, literally alive. Did you guys hear that? She said, how many people in here wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for medicine? I'd, I'd say, honestly, we probably wouldn't even know. There's probably so many of us that have either been saved by it or it has impacted us. <clears throat> clean drinking water, clean, sterile utilities that we use, like all of those different pieces. It's incredible to think about. So, again here, so in closing, I want to start to remove um, that phrase from our vocabulary, supernatural healing. I think that sometimes, yes, we're going to see an instantaneous healing, a miraculous, I'm going to wake up one day and my pain is gone, or a laying on of hands. And I believe, again, just like I said, the ones that are chasing after those miracles are the ones that, that are often going to see them. And I think we should all be those people. And at the same time, if we move too far to that side and we can start to discount the available options that are, that are, that are here, that are just as viable, that are just as legitimate, we are cutting ourselves off from one or the other. Going back to something I said a little bit in the beginning is I believe that 
many people's disappointment in God and even their, their disbelief at times comes from unmet expectations. And so I, I think I take it very, um, I, I, I say very carefully um, how I believe, you know, he, he's going to do something. Because if we get wrapped up in that, again, the don't worship the process, if I'm believing for healing, if I'm believing for a, a revelation or a direction from the Lord, but I'm stuck in seeing it in the way that I have expected to see it, or the way that I saw it yesterday, we often might miss what the opportunities. We might miss what he's doing because we are looking for it in an old way. So, like, do that in all areas of your life with, with God. And, you know, take, take it out of the context of healing, but when you start to feel disappointment with what you're expecting from him, you might have an unmet expectation. And, and I, I believe there's oftentimes an expectation that we've developed outside of him, right? We've started to see our way is the best way. My way is better than his. In October, Mark delivered a three-part sermon on faith, right? We talked about faith. And uh, what, what was like the definition of faith from Hebrews? You guys should still know this. It's still evidence of things not seen, conviction of things hoped for. <clears throat> to me, if that conviction of things hoped for is predicated on our delivery method, then we don't have faith. Right? If our conviction of things hoped for is predicated on our method of delivery, that's not faith. We're actually boxing him in and we're saying, this is the way it has to be. Right? Take that open-hand approach with him. I see throughout the Bible, um, and you know, even in my life, just a commonality of God subverting our expectations. You know, he sent, he came as a babe, he rode a donkey, he was, you know, a Galilean. To to the people of that day, all of that was just completely not what they expected, and they missed him because of it. And we we can very easily do the same thing. He would take armies and he'd tell them to get rid of people to go and win a battle. Again, the last thing that we would expect him to do because of our expectation, he sent a boy to defeat a giant. And he saved the world by laying his life down. It was the last thing we expected. It was a sub- subverting our expectations. And, and God used the doctors to like with my eyes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was meant to lose both eyes. And God has God is saying, Jason, you would want to see the stuff gone on. Jason was saying that God used the doctors to save his eyes and, and to save him from pain, too. Um, as I was praying to kind of prepare for this, <clears throat> I always ask, you know, Father, like, what is um, the main takeaway that you want, you know, you want people to have from this? And um, what he said is that you should never give up on your healing journey. And um, I 
think that's really impactful, and I think that that's something that we can do. Um, again, you can you can fall you can fall down on either side of the road. You can get stuck in either one of these ditches, but ultimately, if you're moving forward, if you're walking toward that healing, if you're taking that proactive approach, that's one of the most important elements is to never give up. <clears throat> Please, yeah. Um, I think while we get stuck, a lot of people do get stuck on the supernatural versus like or natural or, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the conversation that we don't have, which you say is another third way, is living a self-disciplined life. Like we all we want to fix it after mm. we messed it up. Right. right? <clears throat> but nobody wants to stop drinking. <laughs> right? Like I want to be like, Lord, fix my cholesterol, and the Lord's like. Um, eat a salad and do some jogging, bro. How about that? Why don't you do that? You don't need, and if I heal you, all of a sudden, I would entitle you to mm. keep shoving the stuff into my body that I keep shoving. Right? Like, like self-control, I would love to know the percentage of people that you all have to deal with because they're doing something just dumb to their body, rather than, oh, this has nothing in their control. It was a disease. So I don't want you to discount the idea mm. that you have some control over yeah. your body yeah. and the results of your body. And mm -hmm. I'm also like, like think about your body. Well, the verse says your body is a temple, right? Yeah. And we think about purity only in sexual ways. Hmm. Like, oh, I need to be pure sexually. But our body is meant to be pure in all ways. Wow. In our mind, the way we eat. And I'm, I'm guilty. Like, sugar's the devil. And I hang out with it. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think we can discount the self-discipline built into you to not do dumb things, yeah. right? And, pre and prevent the things. Like, let's not make these ladies work as hard as they work for something we're doing that's just dumb, right? So, like, think about what the Lord has put in you for self-control so that you can maintain health and wholeness in your body rather than, mm. oh, my God, you know, like, I need a supernatural thing or I need medicine. Mm-hmm. You need some discipline. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I, I really see that too as that um, it's the proactive approach, right? Rather than sitting around and waiting for your healing to come to you, kind of taking charge of that healing yourself and moving in that direction. Um, I want to close us out here in prayer, but um, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to do it uh, a little differently. I, I like uh, if you guys could do this with me. Um, could all the people who work in the medical field stand up? And I don't care if you are the Walmart greeter of the hospital or you check paperwork or you are, can you stand up? I know we have Lauren here. So Mary's up there too. I know Mary's up there. So and you could come down. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd like the, the family, as we close in prayer, I'd actually like you to gather around these people um, and just lay hands on them and, and pray for them. So can you do that with me? It'll be the last thing we do. Um, so we have some here. Kelly. In the back there. And I, like... The reason I want to do this is, again, I um, kind of the, the point in me 
sharing this message today is that I feel like we've gotten, we've kind of missed the mark um, sometimes in how we see um, these people in their professions, in their industries. And as you gather around them, I want you guys to pray wisdom over them. I'd like for you to pray for uh, their own healing and for their own, um, you know, sort of validations, you know, that, that uh, people would really be attentive to their wisdom, you know, what they've learned, what they're doing, and really understand ultimately that they are tapping into what the Father wants for us, which is healing. So I'm going to open us, and then you guys can just finish up in prayer there. So, Father, we just bless these people which are in our lives to bring us healing. Father, we thank you for what they do for us, for how they sacrifice. And Father, we lift them up and we support them. Father, I ask that each one of them would just receive a blessing of patience and grace in how they work and operate. Father, that there would be a joining of supernatural spiritual healing with what they do in every element, Father. I thank you for their training, their education, for their willingness to learn. Father, for their patience with us. And we just thank them, Father. In Jesus' name, thank you. You all just please continue to pray over them. Love you all. World Harvest Outreach is located in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania, but we have family around the world. To connect with us, visit us at whocenterpa.com.